Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. This one, the edition that happens right after the spring workouts have concluded. Minicamp done after two days. They cut it short by a day. And the Bills got in some good work. Uh, basically, full attendance by the second day. And, you know, some injuries uh, influenced how many were actually on the field. But all in all, we got to see a little bit of... A preview of maybe what's to come with training camp. Uh, welcome into the show, everyone. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, my podcast co-host, Matthew Fairburn. We were both at uh, both practices this past week. Um, we also saw a bunch of OTA practices as well. And so we're starting to get a, a handle on what um, what we could be walking into once training camp gets to us and it's a bit of a different thing from last year Matt because we didn't have these spring workouts and it was kind of like walking in blind uh, for a lot of different reasons last year due to the pandemic and because we hadn't seen them until July yeah this gives us a better chance to get a preview of what's to come in training camp I think that's probably the biggest benefit of these spring workouts for the teams and for those of us who get to watch and observe what's going on is gives you some some glimpses into what could be the potential training camp positional battles, which players are emerging, uh, who who to keep an eye on. And they didn't have any of that last mm-hmm. year uh, from a team standpoint. We certainly didn't have any of it. Uh, you know, they had their their, you know, Zoom meetings and whatever else to install their their playbook and you know, get guys up to speed, but even training camp was short. There was no preseason games. It was just an unusual year for a lot of different reasons. And now they get what, you know, most teams in the league would consider a bit more of a normal spring. There was, you know, around the league, a bit of an attendance question for a lot of the spring. I'd say the bills were fairly strong attendance wise. They, you know, missed a few, key starters for a good chunk of the spring, but everybody was back on the field for mandatory minicamp, no contract drama, no, you know, unhappy players for whatever reason. So all of that is a good thing. And I think it gives them, you know, they're an interesting team because they have their head coach back. They have both coordinators back. I mean, it is a, a group that has quite a bit of that, that favorite buzzword in the NFL continuity. And I think that gives them, you know, a benefit heading into training camp and, and just, you could tell from the practices, the benefit that it gives them because they're, they're not doing as much install necessarily as they are 
you know, fine tuning some some different things, maybe installing some new things, trying not to be stale. But uh, in general, it's largely the same group of players and coaches coming back. Yeah, and and that's a that's a good thing for the Bills. I mean, you know, you don't want to go fully overboard with with what you see in spring as well and you know Sean McDermott made it a point to say it quite a few times um, throughout the last uh, month or so that he doesn't well he said it's not real football because they don't have pads on they have helmets on they've got jerseys on uh, but you know just no real physicality but it doesn't mean that the players that are fighting for those opportunities come training camp um, didn't go fully at it, um, it especially near the end in minicamp when when everyone was on the field. Like guys who are on the bubble, um, you, you can see, you can definitely see who it means more to and and who it means uh, less to um, based on like how they react to reps and things like that. But the Bills do have most. Mostly a, a a good group of where even their starters are are pretty invested, especially on the defense. Um, you know the the defense is. I, I think you made it a point um, during the first mini camp practice, Matt, when we were sitting together. That the defense is extremely loud and the offense is extremely not. But maybe that's just a part of a part of the beast there. But you can definitely tell who um, who it means more to just based on how the depth chart kind of sets out uh, how the the roster bubble could could uh, be there and there are a lot of um you know there's a lot of players that are firmly on this team but there's also a good contingent of players that are going to be fighting for their lives you know whether it be undrafted guys late round picks um veteran players who maybe have fallen a, a tiny bit out of favor uh so so there's there's a lot of elements to it even though it's not real football yeah, it's a harder roster to make than it has been in years past, and it seems to get harder each year, which is, you know, the goal. It does not seem like there are the high profile at the moment. Th- this could change, but at the moment it doesn't seem like there are high profile bubble guys to watch necessarily. Like last year, Trent Murphy was kind of one to watch, LaShawn McCoy, um, you know, prior to that. It doesn't feel like you know, even some of the guys that they could save some money on, uh, it doesn't feel like those guys are in serious jeopardy of, of losing a, a job. But the mm-hmm. the stuff to watch in training camp and, you know, what we were kind of keeping an eye on this spring, early tabs on, you know, are some of these positional battles that could, you know, determine what this team looks like. You know, Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, a pretty obvious, uh, you know, training camp competition coming up both of those guys i think at various times during the spring looked looked really good but behind them too who emerges as the guys that fill out the cornerback depth chart because they didn't really add much uh, to that position you know you could say the same thing on the other side you know the wide receiver group is pretty set in stone at the top but those last few spots they have you know quite a few players who should end up somewhere in the NFL when everything's all said and done at the end of training camp, but they can't fit them all on this roster. There may only be room for six of them, seven if they get really creative. So Mm -hmm. that's where I think it's a little 
going to be a little bit of a different training camp. You're not looking at, you know, is is Trent Murphy going to make the team or, you know, is LaShawn McCoy done in Buffalo? They brought back a good chunk of their core and seem intent on pushing forward with that group. Defensive end is really crowded. So you could maybe say, you know, a guy like Mario Addison needs to earn his spot, but he seems really safe yeah. from everything they're saying from – you know, the way he looked uh, in the, the couple of days that we saw him, he wasn't at the voluntary portion. That's the name, you know, that they could save money on. It really is hard to find that type of player that people will be clamoring for them to, to cut to save some money during training camp. I just don't think they did most of that already because they had to uh, in, you know, prior to free agency starting. So instead, it's going to be the nooks and crannies of the roster a little bit, not a ton of starting jobs up for grabs, but I think some different roles are up for grabs and certainly some spots at the bottom of the roster are always, um, you know, fair game and training camp and preseason is going to determine that more than what we saw in the spring. But this is a start, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a first impression and, you know, the guys that can carry that over and, and build some momentum, you know, might have the inside track. Yeah, and the thing with Addison, and I know we've we've touched on on this before, um, it, they wouldn't even save that much by by cutting him. I, even in a post June first uh, exemption sort of world, uh, they would only be saving about a little over two million dollars, according to Over the Cap. So it's not really um, it's not really something that they need to do, especially when they just opened up all that cap room within the last few weeks by. Um, converting Stefan Diggs' base salary into a signing bonus. I mean, th- they opened up what, like seven plus million dollars. So they've they've got wiggle room um, for for what they want to do, whether it's re-signing uh, or signing Josh Allen to a long-term extension, um, signing Tremaine Edmonds to a long-term extension, uh, trading for a Zach Ertz or something like that. Whatever whatever um, kind of tickles their fancy here, they they can they can do because they have the room to get it done. So it's. Addison would not be a huge um, addition to a- any moves that they're trying to make this year. So, well, you know, it's he's a popular name because it's a, it's a crowded position and, and he was a free agent guy last year, but they guaranteed a whole mess of his contract by restructuring it this year. And it just it just does not seem like Brandon Bean to go along those steps and then to go, all right. All right, you know what? Um, we're 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 going to move on here, especially when they were talking about in the off season. Like, okay, this is uh, we're envisioning this uh, this role for Mario Addison. Kind of take a little bit off his plate, get him get him more on passing downs. Uh, he's going to be a good mentor to Russo and Basham. Like that stuff is really important to the Bills. So so yeah, I'm with you. Addison's probably safe. All right, let's get to the um, stuff on the field that we saw over the last few days and. Maybe the last uh, couple of weeks too. Um, I think the the right place to start is the guy who um, you know basically determines their entire season. Josh Allen. Wednesday, and we're recording this on Thursday, June seventeenth. Wednesday, which was the final day of minicamp, was not Josh Allen's finest minicamp hour. But I'm curious as to what you made of the rest of of his time uh throughout the spring workouts and whether or not we should really read all that much into it one way or the other yeah it's hard for me to get 
overly worked up about what happens in the spring. Like I yeah, said, same. it can it can provide a window to what might happen in camp in the preseason. And even that, there can be some overreaction in July and August about what's going on and uh, you know, truly what's going to determine the story of the 2021 Bills and and Josh Allen is what he does, you know, come September. It wasn't, you know, a perfect spring for Josh Allen, but I think sometimes it's hard to put everything into full context without the picture of what the goal is in each practice. What Absolutely. He's being asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he also was missing Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley for a lot of the OTAs that we watched. And I think you could tell a clear difference when those guys were on the field and when they weren't in some of the earlier practices, like you mentioned, Wednesday, not a great day. I, had him down for only three completions uh, a couple there was one maybe interception by Tredavious White probably would have needed replay to confirm it <laughs> Levi Wallace picked off a pass but I believe that was an offsides yeah uh, again they don't have officials at training camp or at mini camp so you know all those little things that uh, help you determine the outcome of a play but you could just tell the the offense was out of sync the defense was bringing quite a bit more energy consistently throughout the spring, which, you know, again, I don't know that that's totally a bad thing. You know, if Josh Allen has a so-so spring, but it's because the defense is elevating its level of play and, you know, trying to correct some of, of the issues it had, um, you know, consistency-wise in the 2020 season, that's not a bad thing for the overall success of the team. Mm-hmm. I think there were times where Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen. It's not as if he fell off a cliff and, you know, forgot how to play the position. I think he had some great moments. He had some, some really good practices. Uh, He's still extremely comfortable with Stefan Diggs. Very obviously the guy that he's looking for, Um, you know, working things out with Emmanuel Sanders timing wise, as you would expect. But he didn't even have any of this last last spring. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't have a chance to work through these things. Yeah, they they got together down in Florida and they were able to, you know, go through some things without, you know, us watching. But, you know, the OTA practices, we get, what, one out of every three. And, you know, minicamp was two days. They're not wearing pads. Uh, I think we know that Josh Allen excels in more live action situations when he his instincts can take over and you know he's he he can make plays that way he was great in training camp last year and you know it was pretty it became pretty obvious as time went on that the offense was was clicking uh you know especially when they opened it up and had you know some heavy passing practices i think there was one practice where he attempted like high 30s or low 40s uh in passes and completed like 80% of them, mm-hmm. there will be those moments when you can, you know, have every single practice and start to put things into the proper context. I think it would be foolish to try to do that in June with just a couple of practices. Not know, you know, they canceled the last day of minicamp. I don't know that they would have done that if they were totally unhappy with what had gotten done. Yeah. And I think, you know, so was Allen perfect? Was he looking as if, you know, he's reinventing the position? No, but again, it's 
He showed what he can do last year. He's got a ton of weapons around him, the same coordinator back. We'll see, you know, in training camp if he's airmail and stuff. I didn't think accuracy was a massive issue for him. I just think no. the defense kind of had an edge uh, on Wednesday. Placement on a few balls could have been better, but it, it wasn't really an accuracy or a mechanics issue. It was more defense was bringing a lot of energy, and at times the offense didn't quite match it. Yeah, there was one play on Wednesday in particular where, you know, Allen against most defenders would have completed this pass. It was over the middle of the field. He he feathered it over the top of the uh, of the the zone defense right in front of the safeties. Should have been a completion, but Tremaine Edmonds read Josh Allen's eyes, and because Tremaine Edmonds is like six foot six, super long arms, and uh, or six foot five, I should say, super long arms, and you know is really fast to where he can get to the spot. He, he fully extended and, and batted the ball away. And he was kicking himself because he didn't pick the ball off. But it was still a ridiculously good play by by Edmonds, uh, especially in coverage, which is why they, they like Edmonds so much, by the way. But, but yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I, you know, even last year in training camp, you know, he, he settled in by all means and really had a good training camp by the end of things. But even in, like, the early stages when it wasn't padded practices, I, I recall – early days where it just the offense didn't look great it looked like they were trying to figure each other out and I feel like this mini camp and these OTAs are a lot of what the early stages of training camp last year were were for these guys you know you know if you if you go through and read um like we we put out our mini camp reports um our daily reports things like that if you read that and you see three for 12 from Josh Allen don't don't panic by any means. Don't like not draft him in fantasy football because because he uh, he went three for twelve in a minicamp. Um, there are a lot of factors. Uh, like you said, the defense was was really getting after it. Um, there was a lot of uh, moving pieces with offense. They were trying to get acclimated. Didn't have Cole Beasley at all, which I think factored into things. You know, constant. Um, there was a constant receiver rotation as they were getting it, getting it going. And so, you know, from one play to the next, he would have uh, maybe two to three different receivers. So it's just trying to acclimate himself with a, with a lot of different guys. So, uh, so yeah, don't, uh, I, I would not overreact to, you know, Josh, maybe not really uh, looking like an MVP in minicamp. It, and by the way, you brought up, uh, you would need replay to figure out if Trey White picked off the pass. That'd be a hell of a thing, right? Like, mini camp replay do you think it, it'd it's be useful a, for us sh- I, I know right <laughs> sean mcdermott is very uh he, he likes to get into the weeds and likes to have a real simulation i don't know i don't know if i put it past him you know and having mini camp replay training camp replay when they're in the stadium i mean you know would you i wouldn't that would be a good way to simulate the regular season and uh I I would certainly appreciate it. I mean, seeing everything in real time and, you know, from the uh, level that we do, it's like sometimes you do need, you know, and that's why I throw those caveats in when we talk about these things or even when I'm writing about it is, yeah, it looked like an interception. Like, I think it was an interception, but, you know, there's a lot of bodies around him and you don't have the, the TV angle or the replay that can slow it down and show you whether it was picked off. Tredavious White ran off the field with the football, which he would do whether he intercepted it or not. Uh, but 
the throw was a little off and it hit Tredavious White in the hands and it yeah. s- certainly looked like he he hauled it in. I think, you know, with when it comes to Josh Allen or really any anything that we talk about here or anything that you see around the league, you know, Tua had five interceptions at a practice in Miami and everybody was losing their minds but it was downpouring and they were telling him to be more aggressive and try to fit the ball into windows. It, you know, maybe a guy looked great in practice. Maybe, you know, Zach Wilson had a a day the other day where he was 16 for 20 or something. It's still the spring. You know, you don't know what each side of the ball is being told to, to do in certain situations. I think in training camp, we get more of a live action type of simulation with pads on and you know both sides kind of competing against one another it's a little bit early for that type of situation and that's mm-hmm. where i think the comparison you made is a good one it, it it was like the first few days of training camp last year was otas and mini camp you know kind mm-hmm. of crammed into a few days of training camp and then they started to you know heat things up a bit it was the practice in the stadium. I remember things really started to click for Josh yeah, Allen. And definitely. It was like, well, maybe this this offense has something going here. And sure enough, they they had a, more than a little something going. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we'll see what they're made of. I think June is not necessarily the time to fully evaluate that type of player, Josh Allen, or, I mean, look, there's a reason Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders skipped a good portion of the voluntary workouts. Basically the entire defense starting defensive line was not at the voluntary portion of the workouts. These are not the guys that we need to be getting glimpses of, or, or, you know, making evaluations on in June. It's more guys, you know, down the roster or guys that have maybe, are returning from injury or have changed their body and are, are trying to, you know, make that jump from year one to year two, like, like AJ Epinesa or, you know, guys that are, are farther down the roster, been on the practice squad and are trying to make that jump. You can see differences in players, but it's not the time to be dissecting uh, or overanalyzing or worrying about a guy who almost won the MVP award last year. Yeah. Uh, he'll now, you know, if, it's possible that something in August, you know, raises, uh, you know, questions or cause for concern. But even then, it always feels like practice can can fool you in, mm-hmm. in certain ways. And uh, certainly trust more what we saw throughout last season in almost every single game than what you see in a, a handful of practices in June. Absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, I think the, the the next thing that people probably want to know about the most is the, the first-year guys, the, the rookie guys, and, and how they looked in their first few practices. The tough thing with a lot of... Um, a lot of the Bills rookies, or at least the the early round rookies, is that they play the offensive and defensive line, so it's not full pads, and you don't get a full gauge on on what they're doing. Like it's a lot easier to to see um, receivers and cornerbacks that are kind of stepping it up. Running backs, linebackers, defensive line, offensive line are, are pretty tough to gauge um, in a spring workout, just because physicality is such a huge part of of what they do. But um, that said, I think there was at least some things to take away uh, from, you know, the the Bills rookie or the Bills draft picks, I should say. And if if I had to say uh, if I had to label one player of that draft class that I was most impressed by uh, through those spring workouts, it would have to be Boogie Basham. I mean, the guy was just consistently working his way into the backfield um, he, uh, you know, working against Spencer Brown, he really, he really looked apart there. Um, and I think when you have, when you have him who is so, uh, when you, when he is just so, uh, explosive out of a stance, but he also has a physicality element to it and he can win in a bunch of different ways. He, he threw across some, some good swim moves, which is kind of his go-to. He's got good physicality. Um, and you could see it on his tape from college, but like you see all these different things and it's like, okay, the way that they, and the way that they talk about potentially using him, um, you know, Leslie Frazier said he could even be an early down defensive tackle. Um, certainly a, uh, pass rush down defensive tackle as well, based on how Wake Forest used him. You know, it's just all these different things. I really came away impressed by what Boogie Basham can do. And, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, as long as he puts together a good training camp, um, then I think for sure that uh, that he could potentially have a nice little role for the Bills this year. And I'm sorry if you're hearing rustling in the background because Fritz decided to pick up the noisiest toy possible. So <laughs> I apologize for that. But uh, but yes, he is also very uh, uh, very enthusiastic about Boogie Basham's prospects, about what Fritz saw from from him at minicamp. Boogie would be a good dog name. Uh, yeah, it would. He. Boogie Basham definitely lived up to this idea 
this term you hear thrown around a lot during the pre-draft process that a guy is pro-ready, he lived up to that. I think he looks like a guy who will jump in right away and find a role. And it's easy to do that when you've played as much football as Boogie Basham has, but also when you can move around the way that he can and you can play multiple spots. It's easy to find roles for guys like that rather than guys who are stuck in one specific spot. And that's why the Bills are always looking for that type of thing when they're drafting players or signing players. He definitely carries his weight well. He moves around well. I could see him playing a Quentin Jefferson type of role for this team. Yeah, it's and, perfect for him. It's absolutely probably, perfect for him. There's probably won't be. I mean, Quentin Jefferson had a pretty good year last year, but I don't think there'll be a huge drop off there. I, I think Boogie Basham is ready to step in and and play and and make some plays for this team. And they could use. It's such an if, interesting mix of players on the defensive line because they didn't do a ton to beef up at defensive tackle, but they have a bunch of guys who can move in there when needed, and that makes for some really cool combinations that they could start throwing at teams. And I think we'll get a better look at that in training camp when they're in full pads and they're, you know, trying to simulate live situations against the offensive line. We'll see what they can mix up and throw at, at teams. They just have a deep group of players across the defensive line. And I, I like where, where Boogie Basham's at and how he can fit in. I do think of the rookies, he was probably the guy that stood out the most. Mm -hmm. And the other rookie that started to catch my eye as the spring went on was Rashad Wild Goose. Um, had an interception in practice, seemed to be making a lot of plays on the ball. I'm starting to wonder if they are... I still think a cornerback could be added at some point between now and you know the start of the preseason or even uh, leading up closer to the season. But it feels like they are not only confident in Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, but they're pretty intrigued by what they'll get out of the guys, you know, down the roster a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cam Lewis uh, had some good moments during the spring. Wild Goose, Nick McLeod, uh, you know, made some plays. So uh, maybe they have something there. All you need is is one or two of those guys to pop, and you know, you've got a pretty solid cornerback depth chart. So. They like to be deep at that position. They like to have a lot of options. Still think they'll look to add at some point. But I don't know. I, I came away thinking maybe that there's something there. We'll we'll see. We'll get a really good look when we get more exposure of those guys against the top receivers because the top receivers weren't all on the field throughout the spring, but they were out there on, on Wednesday and the defensive backs certainly got the better of them. Yeah, and the Bills also have like five of their cornerback roster spots basically already locked in at this point with Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, and Saran Neal, I would say, is a lock just because of what he does for them on special teams. So then from there, it's Wild Goose at six, um, Cam Lewis, who you brought up, who I thought he had a really nice practice um, on Wednesday in minicamp. Um, certainly making some plays, and and he is a guy that the Bills have liked over the last couple of years because they've kept him around, even though he's an undersized cornerback 
um, from a very small school. Kept him around for the practice squad and uh, a couple of years ago, elevated him to the active roster and even took Taron Johnson's job before um, before Cam Lewis got hurt 10 plays into his first opportunity, which is just heartbreaking for him. Um, if I'm sure he was just absolutely uh, crushed by by the injury that of when it happened after working his way all the way up by that but but yeah he's someone that they've they've looked at before so they do have some options there wild goose is is an interesting one um and you know i always wonder about cornerbacks too like even elijah griffin had some moments too the uh, warren g's son um he i thought he uh, showed some good athleticism some good instincts but you know what we'll have to see what they do once pads go on because it's it's so important because that's when a lot of these a lot of the times these cornerbacks and wide receivers too um they they really stand out in spring and then they just fall off a cliff you know we bring up des lewis all the time on on the podcast as a as a perfect example of that uh you know uh, derek rogers from the early 2010s is another good example uh, of that where people uh, you know, he's getting a lot of buzz after the spring workouts and then just kind of faded away in training camp and they ended up cutting him, even though, you know, people really liked him. Um, that's that. Uh, so you just have to be a little bit wary of that with with those two positions, really more so than any of them, because in a in a no pads, shorts and jerseys situation, you know, wide receivers and cornerbacks can really get after it. Um Wanted to get into Russo a little bit, uh, and and Spencer Brown as well, uh, but we'll 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 kick it off with Russo. Um, he to me, you know, he had some some moments where you're like, okay, that is exactly what I saw at Miami, um, even on, on the good stuff. You know, a little bit late late last week, I uh, posted a a full on breakdown of Russo's college stuff. And you can go check that out at theathletic.com. Um, and if you haven't subscribed yet, go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat uh, to subscribe to The Athletic, where you can read all those pieces, all of our practice notes, um, all of Matt's features. He's got a good one on Epinesa. Um, he's uh, He's got more coming down the pipeline here. So uh, be sure to check all of that out. But um, if you go and check out the the Russo piece, you'll see all of these these different things that make him a unique pass rusher that always kind of keeps him alive. And and my biggest takeaway from that piece was that I think his floor is probably higher than the the boom bust label that that he got throughout the draft process because the way that he uses his body and his length will keep him alive in a lot of plays where it looks like he should probably be dead on the play and and one of those things really popped up during minicamp to me where he he was just uh, it looked like he was controlled by the tackle on the play. I can't remember what tackle it was, but it looked like he was controlled. And then, but because of his length and his ability to keep the the blocker off of his pads, he is able to disengage super quickly. And then he's got really good explosiveness from awkward body positions, which is the best way I, I can describe it. Like if he's trying, uh, trying to change direction, if his body's taking him one way uh, and, and then he, then he has to, hightail it back the other way he can get himself going in like a couple short quick chop steps and I saw that a, a couple of times throughout um throughout minicamp and, and the OTAs and it's like okay this is 
this is kind of what what they're getting here. And, and he was able to track down the ball carrier from behind. No tackle or anything like that. Didn't have to finish the play because, of course, minicamp. But that's the kind of stuff. Like, his ability to change direction is fascinating to me, which is why I think we in 2019 he was able to get to so many situations where he was around the passer because that is not a, a normal thing for players that size with that length to have. Like, usually if they're heading one way, they're probably not kicking it back the other way. Like, uh, Trent Murphy was similarly sized, maybe not as long uh, as Greg Russo, but, you know, the one thing that he didn't have was he could not change directions for anything, and um, and that was, was part of the issue. But Russo has that, and I think that that uh, is going to keep him alive with a lot of stuff here. One thing I'm interested to see with Russo is is how he develops in terms of knocking the ball down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, because for sure. there's there are multiple different ways to impact the game as a defensive end, and you mentioned the way he changes direction and plays don't seem to get away from him. He's never totally washed out of a play because he can with those long arms and with the ability to move in short spaces make sure uh you know whether it's a running back out of the backfield or you know a quarterback scrambling doesn't slip away and and get by him but also the ability to knock the ball down at the line of scrimmage it's not something that you know it's something the bills have emphasized and worked on it's not something that they i don't think they've had somebody as naturally built to do it as Greg Rousseau is. I mean, exactly. The length is the first thing that everybody mentions. And it's just so obvious when you, when you see him in person, you know, the, the long arms can be a real asset. It can be an, I think it's a big reason in addition to the change of direction, why he was able to get all those sacks at Miami, Mm -hmm. because uh, your your margin of error is a lot different when you have arms that long, but I really want to lunge see... lunge and tackle. I mean, that's that's such an advantage. Yeah, I mean, the combination of those two traits, I think, makes him able to finish plays that other guys, you know, maybe aren't able to finish. And so maybe he's not the best pure off the edge, you know, with pass rush moves or whatever, you know the guy that's going to blow by offensive tackles around the edge or, you know, develop some nasty spin move or, or whatever, but there are going to be opportunities for him to, to clean up some sacks. And I think there will be opportunities for him to, you know, make some plays on the football. We only, I'm looking at trying to figure out how many passes defended the bills had from their defensive line ed oliver had three mario addison had four quentin jefferson had one and vernon butler had one aj epinesa had one looking for jerry hughes he had three so not terrible uh, a pretty good pretty good group there but you know i mean jj watts the the quintessential example of this but the way that can just destroy a passing play is pretty great. Uh, and it's a pretty big, you know, boost to a defense, especially if you move him inside and just clog up the vision of the quarterback. Uh, I think he could be in a different way than Basham and a guy that can make impact, make an impact in, you know, certain situations as a rookie. Maybe he won't be ready to 
be a full-time, you know, defensive end that's, you know, playing 60% of the snaps, but they don't need him to number one. And that may not be the role where he's most effective as a rookie. And that's totally fine because, you know, that's the, the beauty of having as many moving pieces up front as they do and the ability to kind of plug and play guys in different spots. He has traits that will help the bills in the short term while he develops into whatever he becomes in the long term. Yeah. uh, I mean, I do wonder if just looking at what he was at Miami and because they have Basham, they have just uh, they already have this player that can do both. And I think Basham is better at playing on the inside than Greg Russo. I almost wonder if they would be doing themselves a disservice by uh, by putting Rousseau on the inside when he has these clear advantages uh, when moving moving and operating in space where he can change direction because you can't do that as as quickly uh, on interior rushes. It's a lot more physically based. It's a lot more all of these different things. Um, and you have to and one of the things he struggles with is absorbing too much contact and and that's that's kind of what the interior is all about absorbing and fighting through contact whereas on the edge, you know, it's, you know, blank slate. You can do whatever to your heart content um, and utilize all those skills that he has. So I kind of wonder if maybe they just use this year and have him at that left defensive end role, have him work with Jerry Hughes a ton to figure out some moves and um, and some counter moves that maybe Hughes has picked up throughout his career and, and then go from there. So a very fascinating prospect. And, um, it, you know, we mentioned Basham. Basham... I think we'll probably have a bigger role this year just based on where they are. And the fact that, you know, Basham is older than Tremaine Edmonds, which is one of my favorite fun facts possible because of Tremaine Edmonds, you know, being in his fourth season and everything. Um, but but yes, uh, I, I think Russo is is an interesting one. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we've got a few minutes left here. Uh, not the the obvious rookies or anything like that. If if you had to pick one player that caught your eye this spring throughout the workouts, you know, all things considered, take it with a grain of salt because it's spring workouts. Who caught your eye and why? This won't come as a surprise to anybody who's been reading the last few weeks, but I'll say Isaiah Hodgins. And, yeah. you know, again, we, we've given the caveat of its spring and all that, but this Do is it a recent again. draft pick. <laughs> this is a recent draft pick, a guy that they liked last year, a really deep receiver group, if you remember, in 2020. 
six-round pick who was really good in college, barely mm-hmm. dropped the ball ever at Oregon State, and he's finally healthy. He was not healthy going into the draft. He was not healthy during training camp and you know, got surgery on that shoulder uh, after spending the year on injured reserve. And he caught quite a few passes uh, in the practices that we were able to watch. He was a pretty consistent target of you know, the, the backup quarterbacks. He's going to have an interesting time making this roster because like cornerback, a lot of the spots are already accounted for. But I want to see what he does when the pads come on. He's the perfect example of a player who gave us a bit of a preview and something to watch in training camp. Mm -hmm. And it's going to become apparent very quickly because he was in a red jersey for most of the full contact stuff that they did in training camp last year. It's going to become apparent, I think, pretty early on how well-equipped he is to handle the physicality of the NFL. I think he has a lot of the other traits that would make him an asset in the receiver room. He's a bit of a different body type than anybody else they have. I thought he was better than Jake Kumaro for much of the spring. Uh, Jake Kumaro, though, has more experience. Uh, he's done it in games. He's a favorite of, of Aaron Rodgers, apparently. Um, so he's got that going for him. He may be the type of guy that rises to the occasion in the full pads game type situations. So Isaiah Hodgins hasn't secured anything for himself. He had a good spring, but now we we get to see, you know, he's got he's more quick than fast, but he runs great routes, gets open, gets enough separation, can make plays in traffic, has the great hands, likes to high point the football. I think he could be an asset for this team long-term, uh, you know, probably as more of a, a long-term number four uh, or number three, but he has some of the traits that, that make him intriguing. I, I'm curious to see where it goes from here because he's a really smart player. He seems, you know, really mature and, and ready for what's to come, but we know when pads come on, you know, a lot of, this stuff tends to sort itself out. You know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the good players separate themselves pretty quickly when actual football is being played. So now that he's out of the red jersey, which for the first time Wednesday, I believe, maybe Tuesday mm-hmm. he was out of it, but he's fully cleared. He's good to go. Now we get to see if, if they have something there. They've also spent other picks at that position, and they need somebody who can return kicks, and that's probably going to help somebody earn a roster spot. So it won't be easy for him to stick on the 53 but he got off to a good start which is better than the alternative of you know looking you know forgetting that he was out there you know he was showing up every single practice we were there he had multiple catches i like hodgins and i liked what he did at oregon state and and you know we talked about receivers being one of the biggest fools gold positions in uh spring workouts possible my main concern when the pads go on is will he be able to win down the field um, because he is not super fast and I think putting the pads on might impact him more than it would some others uh, in in that respect and potentially be able to you know these downfield throws that he was he was bringing in um, maybe that happens less against man-to-man coverage but he's also very smart against zone which, will help him 
um, in those intermediate to to long passes. Uh, I do wonder if he's just a, a short yardage, uh, a short a dot receiver type type of uh, type of prospect here, and you know what his true potential could be. But um, I did notice Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky taking a a uh, shine to Isaiah Hodgins because Trubisky was basically sh- throwing everything short <laughs> in, in the spring. Didn't really take too many chances down the field. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, Hodgins became a very, uh, a very popular target for Trubisky because, you know, Hodgins can win in those short areas. So that is a, that is a good thing to his game. Maybe, maybe big slot potential, uh, could, is something that, that Hodgins could develop into over time. Um, if I had to pick somebody, I would probably go with, uh, F.A. Obata, you know, the, the way that, uh, he was, uh, he was using his body against both offensive tackles and against offensive guards you know he's got a really specific skill set to where you know I don't really know that they have a guy like that um and I came away thinking that Daryl Johnson was on alert because of F.A. Obata um he has production from last year uh he's he's got some versatility to his game what we saw with what we saw in Carolina and he's got the special teams ability to back it up so uh, so yeah, I, Obata was very much someone that I circled after the spring going, okay, this guy, you know, maybe, maybe he was on the bubble, but maybe he's on, he's on the, the right side looking in maybe, maybe Daryl Johnson's going to be the one that that's out, um, by the end of the summer. So we'll see again, spring, you have to take it all with a grain of salt, but, but yeah, that, that's a bit of that. All right. So I think that's, uh. That's going to do it for our a, our spring workouts. Um, the next time you'll hear from us uh, will be in July. We'll be doing a, a very long, uh, uh, or you know, we'll be doing a, a training camp preview, going over what we're expecting, things that we're looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, what we could be like specific uh, battles on the bubble and things like that. So yeah, we'll we'll get in we'll get into all of that and uh yeah, should be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So we're in the uh the throes of the off season here. We've got the uh we've got the the end of things here and and uh we're we're getting ready to go. So uh so yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, just hope all the listeners out there behave themselves on their summer break, you know, as as coaches always tell the players when they break for the summer, you know, we're not going to be supervising you here on a weekly basis. So <laughs> hopefully you all handle that responsibly. You know, we've, we've carefully chosen our listeners and hope that yes, um, we've got the, the right people here. And, you know, we don't want to hear of any tomfoolery when we get back from the break. Yes, indeed. Or maybe get into all the tomfoolery you want. Just, just don't tell us about it. How about that? Um, all right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Viscalia. Thank you for everyone for listening to this edition of the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next time. See you then.